Thanks for joining us today for another Contemplate podcast. As we continue our study from Acts chapter 10, Peter has followed God's leading to speak to a Roman centurion named Cornelius, who also was led by God to send for Peter. And as we start in verse 36, we see what Peter told him. Here's Pastor David. Let's look at uh, verses 36, 37. Peter keeps preaching. He says, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. What is he saying? He says this. First, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Jew, Samaritan, Gentile, man, woman, right? Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every person, Jesus Christ is Lord over everyone. And in him, there is no distinction of those kinds in Christ, right? So he's, so he's saying that. That's the first thing he's saying. Next thing he says is that you already know about Jesus. You've heard about him, right? This is Caesarea, okay? This is not Nebraska, this is not far from where Jesus was walking around doing his thing, right? This, this is in the area of the ministry of Jesus. This is in, in that general vicinity, right? And this stuff didn't happen in a corner. This stuff happened so that lots of people knew about it. And so he said, you've already heard about this. You've already heard about this guy, Jesus. You already know something about him. And, and what do they know? He tells them in the next verse is what they've heard. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. This is what they've heard, okay? Because when someone says I'm God and goes around and people who, whose legs don't work all of a sudden be running around, right? People who are blind or seeing, things like that, you hear about it, right? You would hear about it if that kind of stuff was happening, if it was legitimately happening in a, in, a, in a real way, you would hear about it. It does happen sometimes. It still happens, right? Now, he's saying, you, but not everybody who's doing it saying, I'm God, right? Jesus is saying, I'm God. He's doing, he says, you've heard about this. You've already heard about it. And they had, but they weren't yet followers of Christ. But here's the thing. They're about to get the eyewitness testimony. It's one thing to hear something through the grapevine, right? It's another thing to have the person who was there tell you what they saw. Listen to what Peter says next, 39 through 41. And we are witnesses of all these things, right? He's saying, we're eyewitnesses. We saw this. We are witnesses of all things which he, Jesus, did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. Now here's the thing. That stuff gets me jacked up. Let me tell you why. Because our faith is based, as I told you last week, those who were here last week, I told you, our faith is based on the literal, actual, factual, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Without it, we have no hope. Without it, we have no hope. Now, how do we know that it happened? How do we know that it happened? Because there were eyewitnesses who have told us. It's been recorded down through the ages. We have it right here. And how do I know that Peter's testimony is good? As some of you are aware, I'm a recovering attorney. Um, it's been 
been a long road to redemption. Uh, <laughs> um, it's working out okay. Um, but, but as an attorney, there's there are good witnesses, there are bad witnesses, okay? There are witnesses that you're like, okay, this person's going to testify, but I just don't know that anyone's going to believe them. They just don't have that. They're just not believable, and they're probably lying, right? Um, there are a lot of people who, who are like that. But Peter, a witness like this in a situation like this, I can just tell you straight up, he is a game winner. He is the kind of witness that you want. You know you've won your trial if you have a witness like, like Peter. Why? Because his testimony is what we would call, refer to in the law as a statement against interest. A statement against interest. And statements against interest are considered to have high veracity, truthiness. They're, they're likely to be true. They're a lot more likely to be true than statements in your interest, biased statements, which is what most witnesses bring. But the person who has a statement against interest is considered that they're telling the truth because why else would they say it? Now, why is it against his interest? Well, let me tell you. Because in the past, when Peter has gone and said, Jesus rose from the dead, you know, they killed him on a tree and he rose from the dead. What happened is people arrested him, threatened him, beat him, and put him in prison. That's what happens when he says this, okay? And then they saw Stephen stoned to death for saying this. So when he says it, he's taking a big risk. A big risk. It's against his interest to say it. He's taking the possibility of dying. Let's not forget where he is. Okay? He's in the home of someone with a power, a Roman soldier with dudes around him probably sitting there with their swords, sharpening them up, whatever, like, oh, we hope he doesn't say that. He doesn't know, right? He doesn't know how they're going to react. Remember, Cornelius is hanging with who? The Jews. Who are the ones who keep coming after the Christians? The Jews. How does he know that Cornelius, who has the power to right there do some damage if he wants to, isn't going to be like, oh, heck no, you're not talking about that. He doesn't know. But this is a statement against interest. This is a statement that puts him in the possibility of personal pain, death, imprisonment, torture, whatever, and the people with him. He's taking that risk, which is what makes it believable. And this was the case with all the apostles, which is why we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, because there's so many eyewitnesses of it. And in order to faithfully say that it happened, they had to be willing to risk death to say it. They weren't getting candy for saying it, okay? It wasn't like, oh, he thinks Jesus rose from the dead, and everybody was like, yay. That's not how it worked. It was more like, where are the rocks? I want to throw a rock at this person. That's how people reacted to it. So the fact that they faithfully proclaimed it, that's why we read Acts because it's historically accurate. And our faith is based on a historical fact that Jesus rose from the dead. So, Peter also mentions that they ate with him and drank with him, right? That's important because Jesus rose bodily as you will. There was, the grave was empty, right? The tomb was empty. There was no body in there. Later on, there was heresies. Oh, it was just a spiritual resurrection. Jesus was a disembodied spirit, etc., etc. Not true. Never was the testimony of the eyewitnesses. Never was the testimony of the church. Jesus rose bodily, as will you. This is our hope. Our hope is in him, right? Okay. Let's look at 1042. 
And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. All right. Don't miss this. Don't miss this, Americans. There's a judgment coming. I know that we don't like that. I mean, nobody likes judgment. There are many, many in our culture who cry out, you can't judge me. No one can judge me. I'm my own judge. Eh. Going to find out that's wrong. Jesus will judge. Jesus will judge the living and the dead. And those who have rebelled will pay the penalty for their rebellion. Because God is a God of love, but God is a God of justice. Justice, how, how would he even be worshipable if he didn't see that justice was done? Justice will be done. God will judge. We don't like the fact that someday we're going to have to pay the piper, right? We don't like that. This is the stuff of nightmares. Nightmares, right? There are only two ways, okay? Two ways that a human being can live without being in utter terror of the coming judgment. There's two ways. First way, he suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. A person suppresses the truth and unrighteousness. The first way. Okay, he makes himself believe that judgment isn't coming, and he has to believe it like he believes in Santa Claus, right? Or like he believes like the American Idol people who think they can sing, right? You know, in those early on episodes where you have the people and they're terrible. Mommy told me I was a really great singer, and like, mommy's tone deaf, bro, okay? Uh, you are not good at this. Um, but they suppress the truth, Right? They suppress the truth. And maybe not on righteousness. It's, you know, it's just sad in that case. But, but they suppress the truth. Look, the only way to not be in nightmare terror about the coming judgment is somehow you have to suppress the truth. And Satan will help you out. He'll give you every philosophy, every guru, every self-help person. Everybody will tell you, you're good. I'm okay. You're okay. It's all going to be good. And you just keep telling yourself that. Keep telling yourself that. Keep telling yourself that, right? And if that doesn't work, there's alcohol, drugs, sex. Rock and roll? No, rock and roll is cool. That's all right. All of these things. All of these things to keep us from thinking about the fact that the judgment is coming. Do not fool yourself. Do not fool yourself. Here's the second way to avoid constant terror of the coming judgment. You ready? Believing in Jesus Christ and accepting the loving forgiveness he offers. That's the second way, okay? Recognizing that you deserve judgment and understanding that Jesus already paid it for you. Accepting that and surrendering, falling in to the loving, glorious arms of Christ. You know what the third way is? There isn't one. Those are the two ways. Either live in terror, suppress the truth so that you can try to not live in terror, or call on the name of Jesus Christ. Because it's happening. It's happening. There will be justice. Now Jesus has already paid the justice. He's already done it. If you'll accept him. And Peter tells us right here. He preaches that second way. He says this in verse 43. To him, Jesus, all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Oh, that's good news. 
That's good news for me. That's good news for you. It was good news for Cornelius and his household. Believe in Jesus, right? Accept, accept his sacrifice that he made for you. Recognize that you need God to look to Jesus for the penalty and not to you. And he's already done it. And you can be right in him. Peter tells him, right? And, he, and it's interesting because he says, all the prophets witness. Now, why is he saying that, right? Because Cornelius, who's Cornelius hanging out with as a follower of the one true God? He's hanging out with the Jews. He's hearing the prophets read, right? He's constantly hearing the prophets read. And Peter's saying, listen, all the prophets, they're testifying about what? Jesus Christ. That's what they're testifying about. That's what they're saying, that those who call upon the name of Jesus Christ will be saved. That's what he's telling them. Now, this is really cool. The next, uh, next verse here, next couple of verses. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. As Peter Cornelius and his crew are so ready to receive. They're so ready to hear from God that as he speaks the word, as soon as they hear the good news, as soon as they hear the answer, what they need, boom, they believe, and the Holy Spirit comes. Boom. First Gentiles in the kingdom. Because they believed in Jesus. Now it says the circumcision, the Jews, were astonished by this. They're astonished by it. Why? Because they're exclusivist, because they think that the way to God is through all these rules, even though they know Jesus, they're still working through all that, right? So to have these Gentiles who, they eat bacon, for goodness sakes, right? And they're, and they're doing all this stuff, and yet they got the same gift that the Jews got. God showed no partiality, and God showed right there that to be in Christ had nothing to do with where you were born, who your daddy is, who your mama is, none of that. That all that's required is that you believe in, follow, surrender to Jesus Christ. That's it. Now, that's good news. That's really, really good news. This is called, some people call this the Gentile Pentecost, right? Because we see the same thing that happened at Pentecost happening here. God's the sign that he has brought the Holy Spirit to these folks also. And the Jews see it. And they're astonished. So, last part of the passage. Then Peter answered, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. That was nice of them. He says, listen, can any of you forbid that these folks should be baptized as a symbol that they have chosen to follow Christ, that Christ has, that Christ has redeemed them? Because we saw the sign of the Holy Spirit. How do we know that's the right sign? It's the same one we have. If we're saved, they're saved. Just as we have, they have. Can anyone forbid water? And of course, nobody's like, well, I don't know. nobody says anything, right? <laughs> because they get baptized. He commands that they get baptized. And we have the first Gentiles in the kingdom of God. Peter's learned a lot here. He's come a long way. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. As time goes on, although Peter's in the right place here, about God not showing partiality, about Jesus Christ being the only thing that's needed, 
for salvation and all the rest of it, he, he, the, the rest of the Jews don't all, they're not all so quick to give up what they feel they've earned in their uh, following all the rules. And, they, and they're not quite as ready to say that the Gentiles can just come with Jesus. They, they're kind of in this thing where they're always wanting to add something to it. Jesus, yes, but and you shouldn't be eating bacon or whatever, right? They, they're always trying to add something in there. And so we see, we'll see as we move on that it doesn't stay all good, even for Peter. Even Peter struggles with this issue. This is a rough issue for him, okay? So what have we seen? We saw Cornelius be obedient. He's obedient. That's what Cornelius is. He's obedient. He prays, he gives, the angel comes and says, do this thing, he does this thing, he does it gladly, he's waiting, he's excited, he's obedient, and guess what? He gets to be the first Gentile into the kingdom. Most of you are Gentiles, unless you're Jewish, you're a Gentile, okay? He was the first. Guess what? We are in the line of the Gentiles that came to know the Lord. He's, he's the first in that, in that group. Pretty cool. Why? Because he was obedient. Because he was obedient and he desired God. Peter was obedient. He had to go against all of these prejudices, all of this stuff that he had built up. God had to teach him a lesson so that he could even be in the place. But by doing that, he got to bring the first Gentiles, which is a pretty big group, by the way, into the kingdom of God and Jesus. Obedience is important. Now, we, uh, I'm, I'm running out of time, so I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to kind of close here. But let me just say this. We call ourselves Acts Church, and there's a reason for that. It's not just because I can text with fewer characters because I don't like to type too much, and it's a short name. The reason that we call ourselves Acts Church is because we want to be like the church, Christ church that we see formed in Acts. And we've talked about as we've gone through Acts, prescriptive, descriptive, right? There are certain things that are just describing what happened, and there are certain things that are telling us how we ought to be. Let me tell you something that, that Scripture is saying, that how we ought to be. We ought to be like them. We ought to be like the church has been. In other words, not the church is this place that we go, not the church is this thing that we do, but we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. That is a very serious thing. We need to look at ourselves and ask ourselves if the way that we're living and our priorities in life and all the rest suggest that we're serious about being the body of Christ. There's a, there's a lot uh, of folks these days that see church and their connection to the church as one among many things that they do. Right? That's, yes, I'm part of that church and whatever. Not realizing the joy, the glory, the privilege of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. Let me just tell you what obedience looks like. Obedience looks like you getting very, very, very serious about being at church, joining a life group, working in the ministry, getting good teaching in your life, being discipled, growing so you can disciple others, confessing sin, repenting, growing, giving. These are all parts of what it means to be the body of Christ. These are all here for us, meeting in the temple daily and breaking bread house to house. This was their life. This was the most important thing. They were risking their lives for it, the lives of their families. 
They're having to run from place to place because people are chasing them with rocks, right? They're very, very, very committed to Christ. It is everything to them. It can't just be one among many things we do. Or we aren't Acts Church. We aren't Acts Church, if that's the case. But we need to be Acts Church. Because there's only one way to be in Christ's church. And we're, we see the model for it here. It's got to be who you are. You are the body of Christ within the context of the church. And I don't, you know, the Holy Spirit has to work with, with all of us. You know, this is for me. This is for you. We have to look. We have to look at our relationship with God, our relationship with our brothers and sisters, our commitment to this body, our calling. You are important to this body. There is a reason why you're here. Okay? You might be the kneecap, you might be the elbow, I don't know, but we need both or we're hobbling around. Right? You need to, to think about what obedience looks like. Don't be afraid of that word. What does obedience to Christ look like? Are you going to be like Cornelius saying, I love your commands, God. Give me the commands. Ah, give me the commands because I know that when I'm doing your commands, I'm doing what's good for you, for me, and for your kingdom. I'm growing. There's joy in it. Is that where we are? Are we like less commands? Give me less. I want less. No, no. We want more. We want more of him. So we need to think about what it means to be obedient, what it means to be his body. And it starts with things like your priority list. Starts with things like how important it is for you to be here because we need you. It's not, it's not because I think this is so great for you necessarily and you're going to get so much out of it. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But you know what? I know we need you because you're part of the body. So let me ask you this. Are you part of the body of Christ? Do you have a church home? If not, you should. So let me invite you to Acts Church in Vancouver, Washington. The same practical, no-nonsense Bible teaching happens every Sunday, just like you've heard today. So come see us. Get easy directions and all the info you need at actschurchnw.org or call 360-885-9000. Hope to meet you this Sunday. Thanks for listening, and be sure to check out the next episode for more with Pastor David Robinson here on Contemplate.